as <clears throat> we look towards the Christmas Eve services, we will have an opportunity to give again to a specific need that we're going to tell you about in a few weeks, but it actually won't be Radiosity this year because you've been so generous in our Radiosity Fund that we believe the Lord has provided enough resources for the coming year. So really grateful. When asked last week, uh, what three words come to mind when you think of Christian Family Chapel? I thought Radiosity, Neighbortude, and Carf. Fish. Now, those are three words we made up. No, actually, what I thought was helpful, responsive, and generous. That's really how we have experienced you as a body, ready to be helpful, responsive to the Word of God, and generous in how God has blessed you and blessing others. And so, one of the things that we had invited you to participate in this year was our Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child with the, with the Christmas shoe boxes. And for years we've been involved with this. And, and this year we said, uh, Lord, though it's been about 700 for the last few years, we're going to ask for generosity of a thousand boxes and we shared it with you and we asked the Lord and your responsiveness to the Lord and your generosity was 1,249 Christmas shoe boxes. <clears throat> yeah, and, and the best, seriously, the best part of this, as great it is, is for a child on the other side of the globe to receive a gift the best part that I love about this, this is really what has connected us to uh, Operation Christmas Child. Every single child who receives a box receives that box in the context of hearing the gospel as well. No one gets a box without hearing the gospel. So, yeah, when we talk about 1,249 boxes delivered. What we're saying is 1,249 gospel shares with children. That makes it even so much better, yes? So really, really grateful for your helpfulness, responsiveness, and generosity. All right, as we look at the scriptures together this morning now, if you have a copy of the Bible, would you open with me to Philippians chapter 2? We are in this series of maturing as Christ followers. This is why we have the crib here again as a reminder that everyone who comes to Christ, the Bible calls born again, an infant in Christ. And so everybody starts in a crib, but no one's intended to... Stay in the crib. We are to grow up, to mature in Christ. And this morning, what we specifically want to look at is the sounds of maturity. In other words, the sounds that come from the crib are sounds of immaturity, not maturity. And we want those sounds to stop and new sounds to, to start, right? It's part of growing up. Uh, I had thought much about since Thanksgiving Day showing you a picture of Jackie and I with our 12 grandkids who were here all for Thanksgiving, and then showing you the video of the picture because there's 12 of them under eight, and one of them is a screamer. 
And you know what happens when you have one screamer among 12 grandchildren that young? They all join the course of screaming. And, and screaming among babies is contagious. If you could get the ringleader to stop, then that would become contagious. But wow, it was just absolute. It was so chaotic, it was funny for a moment. And then I was like, okay, I'm done with this. This is really, this needs to, to stop. Sounds of maturity require sounds of immaturity to stop. So what are the sounds that need to stop. Philippians there, chapter two. This is not complicated. Uh, I had this sense when I'm sitting on the steps with all my grandkids and they're screaming their heads off that the Lord's gone, welcome to my world. <laughs> this is what it's like for me and my people. <laughs> Do all things without <laughs> grumbling or disputing. Grumbling is as contagious as screaming. And the sounds of immaturity among the people of God. See, this will be, this shoe is going to fit all of us. <laughs> that we are so prone to grumble and to just dispute. We had screaming for pictures, and we had, that's my toy. That's why he took my toy. He, you know, all that stuff that kids do. This is, this is why it's such a good picture for us. It's all the stuff that we, when we're immature in Christ, we're in Christ, but we still do it. And maturity is <laughs> no more grumbling and no more disputing. See, so that's pretty straightforward. No more grumbling. No more disputing. So as I was just thinking about this text, this thought occurred to me. Can you imagine a world without grumbling and disputing. It'd be a quiet planet. And how many news stations would disappear? Because their entire existence is dependent upon grumbling and disputing. And they're thriving because we watch the grumbling and disputing and then we carry it to work and we carry it into our families and we carry it to church and there's just constant grumble and constant disputing. And here's, if we can be honest, here's what I realize about grumbling and disputing. When you do it, it's obnoxious. When I do it, I have good calls. Right? When you grumble, you have good reason to grumble. But when other people are grumbling, you're like, God, that is so obnoxious. Nobody likes a complainer. Nobody does like a complainer. 
But we still all complain, even though nobody likes a complainer. We all complain because when we complain, we have good reason to complain. <laughs> and when we dispute, we have a good reason to dispute. So if everybody else would stop, then we'd be good. It, you realize, what would family be like? What would church be like? What would the world be like if maturity was... We stopped acting like kids who grumble about everything and dispute about everything. Now, sometimes as, as parents, we're like, no more grumbling. And we're grum we grumble about the grumbling, right? You ever grumbled about grumbling? Yeah, all of us have grumbled about grumbling. And what we really want is grumbling to stop because it's just noise in our world and we want peace. But ask yourself, why, is, why does the Lord, our God, say, let grumbling and disputing cease? Is it because he's like, ah, you guys are just, mm, I want some peace and quiet. I don't think, when he says no more grumbling, no more disputing, look next verse and, and you'll get the rationale. The rationale for verse 14 is in verse 15. So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. You get the rationale? It, he's simply saying, let's stop with the grumbling and disputing because when we do that, we're just like, we're just like everybody else in the world. There's nothing distinct about us. And what is distinct about us? According to the verse, what is distinct about us? We are children of God. See, the emphasis here is that children of God are intended to be distinct, different lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Crooked and perverse people grumble and dispute but that's not who we are. It's not like, ah, oh, would you people just give me some peace and quiet? No, it's, I've made you to be different. I've made you to be my child. We are, the, the emphasis here, we are children of God. Why does that make a difference? Why does it make a difference that we are children of God that would cause us to go, oh, I'm a child of God. I don't grumble. I don't dispute. Well, we could say, well, because he said so. <laughs> and it's true, he said so. But there's something deeper. What's it mean that we are children of God that would go, oh, if I'm a child of God, I... <laughs> I wouldn't grumble. I wouldn't dispute. I'm a child of God. Why? Because we know this about 
our dad. Children of a God that we know causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Every child of God is called according to the purpose of God. And, and if we really believe that God causes all things to work together for good, then what, what would stop? I'd stop grumbling. Because what would I have to grumble about? You tracking? It's not just, hey, come on, stop doing that. You just look like everybody else. Yes, you look like everybody else, but you're not like everybody else. You have now been made one with a father who has promised I've called you according to my purposes, and my purposes are always good and perfect. Not always pleasant, not always what you prefer, not even always what you would want, but my purposes are always good and perfect. I'm working them. No need to, to grumble. What I hope we'll catch here is this. My grumbling is an offense to the character of my dad. You see that? My grumbling it doesn't make sense if I really believe this is true about my dad, my heavenly dad. If he really is, if he really is working all things together for good, then I don't need to grumble. I don't understand. Is that legitimate? I don't understand. That's legitimate. I don't like it. Is that legitimate? That's legitimate. I wish it wasn't worth it this way. Those are all true. I don't like it. I don't understand. I wish it wasn't this way. But that doesn't mean I grumble because I grumble. But I don't think God is doing what he said he'd do. It's an offense to the character of my God. These sounds, sounds of grumbling, are inconsistent from children who have a father who works all things together for good. See, I hope you get the rationale. This is just stop grumbling because I want some peace in my life. Oh, no need to grumble. You don't always understand my hand, but my hand is good. You don't always understand my mind, but my mind is good. You don't always understand my purposes, but my purposes are good and perfect. You're my child. I love you. You don't need to grumble. I mean, how many times have I said to a baby who's screaming their head off, and I'm like, I'm fixing the food. It's coming. It's just, it's coming. You just, they, all they know is it's not like in my mouth right now. It, it, it's heating up. It's getting warmer. It's coming. But there's no reasoning. <laughs> so they're gone ballistic. And then they get it. Oh, okay. Now, and, and it's like a switch. You know, you have a grumbling switch in your life. It turns on and off. You can turn it on 
and you can turn it off. You can. And it's based on, really, what do you believe about your God? I hope, I hope the rationale moves you away from, I know I shouldn't grumble to, I, I do trust you. I trust you, Father. My grumbling is inconsistent with that. So why not disputing? Well, here's how Philippians 2 had started. Here, here's why disputing stops, the, the rationale. If there is any encouragement in Christ, is there any encouragement in Christ? Like he loves you perfectly. Any encouragement there? Yeah, you see, is there any encouragement in Christ? Is there any consolation of love? You know what I mean by that? Like, I know it hurts. I know it's hard. I love you. Any consolation in that? Oh. Is, there, is there any fellowship of the Spirit? Now, is he asking questions or making statements? Tracking with me? Yeah, he's making statements through asking questions here. Since there is encouragement in Christ, since there is consolation of love, since there is fellowship of the Spirit, what's that mean? That means the same Spirit that lives in me as a children of God, as a child of God, lives in you as a child of God. And in you as a child, and you as a child of God, we have the same spirit within us. And therefore, there is, there's fellowship, like two fellows in a ship. There's fellowship among us. Any affection, compassion because of that fellowship, because of that oneness? There's, these are statements, not questions. Make my joy complete, he says next verse. Because those things are true, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Where there is intent in a single purpose, unity in the spirit of God, where there is a same love because of the love of Christ, which, is encourage, which is, encourages us. Because we have of the, the same mind in Christ. Stop what? Stop disputing. Stop the bickering. Stop the fighting. Very simply, we don't grumble. Because we have a father who, walks all, who works all things together for good. We don't dispute because we're a family who is one in the spirit. In the spirit, we have fellowship. In the spirit, we have a single purpose. In the spirit, we're of one mind. Disputing is a reflection of a lack of one-mindedness. Again, what do kids fight about? That's my toy. No, I want the toy. I had it first, but it's my turn. That's the dispute, right? They're not of the same mind. And what do we try to do as adults? Get them together. Hey, we can share. We can play together. We can do this. We can both have fun. We can say it to the kids and they're fighting over the Legos. But can we say it to ourselves in our own disputing? 
husband and wife. We're on the same team. It's a great thing to remind yourselves, husbands and wives. We're on the same team. The Lord has taken two and made us one. It's the disputing is a reflection of we've lost this sense of oneness, of mind, of spirit, of fellowship. You see, what I love, what I hope you're capturing, it's not just like rules that God came up with. There's people he's made us to be. And who he's made us to be then is not consistent when we grumble and dispute. He's made us his children. And he's made us family together. So no more grumbling, no more disputing. What did Jesus say? A new commandment I give to you, you love one another. Even as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Disputing ceases because we're family. A family who is one in the spirit and a family who is known by our love for one another. It's who we are. Sometimes maybe you get tired of this, but it's always about our identity in Christ that is the basis, the foundation, the rationale for how we now act and how we don't act. So babies grumble and dispute. Let's grow up. And not grumble and dispute as if we're not family and as if we don't have a good father. If you were here last week, here's a sentence that will make sense to you. Grumbling and disputing are the products of an unsubmitted child of God presenting their tongue as an instrument to their flesh. You don't have to write all that down. I just wanted you to connect that last week we talked about learning how to walk. Walk in the spirit. And maybe you'll remember if you were here. Walking in the spirit. Whose I am, who I am, therefore I present my body. Whose I am, who I am, therefore I present my body. So whose I am, I belong to him. I no longer belong to myself. My body belongs to the Lord. Who I am, I'm a child of God. The spirit of God lives in me. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Therefore, I present the members of this body, my mouth, my tongue, to be an instrument of righteousness. So what happens when I'm grumbling? I forget whose I am and who I am. And because of that, I present my tongue to be an instrument of the flesh as opposed to an instrument of the spirit. You see how that works? See, these new sounds are products. Remember, the product is a result of a process. 
Either the process is I'm walking in the spirit and therefore I bear forth the fruit of the spirit or I'm satisfying the desires of my flesh and I produce the deeds of the flesh. Grumbling and disputing are deeds of the flesh of a person who is born again. They're a child of God, but they fail to consider whose they are, who they are, and therefore they present the body, the mouth for the flesh. Process, product. So why do, I, why do I stop grumbling? Because of who? My father. Why do we stop disputing? Because we're family, one in the spirit, intent on one purpose known by our love. Those are the things that stop. What are the new sounds? So we don't just go quiet. We don't just stop something. The scripture uses this analogy. We put off something and we put on something. So we put off the garments of disputing and the garments of grumbling and we put on something. Join me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. Here's what we put on. First, verse 16. If you want to start scripture memory, here's a great easy one to start with. You can memorize your first verse this morning. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. See, I, I, I love, I, I genuinely love the practical, transforming nature of the scriptures. Stop grumbling, grow up, rejoice always. The sounds of the mature are sounds of rejoicing. Can you hear rejoicing? Yes, rejoicing is something you can hear. Sounds of rejoicing, and they are always. And I think you can easily understand and join me in acknowledging the rationale for stop grumbling and the rationale for rejoice always is the same rationale. What's the foundation for I'm not going to grumble anymore because of who? My father, right, because of my father. He's a good father. He's a perfect father who's always working for good. If, that, if that's genuinely true, and, and I know I keep saying if that's genuinely true, but the scripture says it's true. The question is, do you really need to believe that to really be true? If that's really true, no. If you really believe that to be true, because <laughs> it is true, I really believe, I know, I know, I don't see, I don't feel, I know God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, uh, what do I do? I rejoice. Always. Always. 
this is, you got, you got some guys in prison for declaring the gospel. And what are they filling the cell with? Oh, Lord. I mean, I'm trying to serve you and I get busted for that. I'm arrested. I'm in here in danger for my life away from my family. And I'm trying to just do what you told me to do. That, that would be the, that'd be the natural sounds of immaturity. What's, what's light in the midst of dark and perverse generation? Two guys singing praise to God in a prison cell for doing the right thing. See, it's, it's an active choice. A few of us have voices worthy of a microphone. Most of us don't have voices worthy of a microphone when it comes to singing. But all of us would do well to in the moment, watch, watch, in the moment when life is hard and your boss is driving you crazy and finances are tight and the doctor gives you the news you didn't want to hear, whatever the prison you get, that you would not go, I'm not going to grumble, I'm not going to grumble, I'm not going to grumble, I will not grumble. No. To do what? To literally determine, not for a microphone, but for my own heart and my own faith, I'm going to sing a song of praise. Seriously. The next time you're about to lose it, choose to use your voice to sing a song of praise. And our hearts will be lifted and transformed on the wings of praise. It may seem irrational in the moment, but it's not irrational. See, it's not irrational. It's we, what's the next word from Romans 8, 28? We know. And so I sing based on what I know versus grumble based on what I feel and see in my, right in front of me. See, we're tempted to go, I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. It's there, you just don't know it. <laughs> Not true. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you have joy, 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 deep down in your heart, it will come out of your mouth. Rejoicing is a verbal sound. So I really want to encourage you, don't just try and go silent. Put voice to what you know versus what you feel 
based on whose you are and who you are and determine, sing a song of praise. It's good. If the Lord has given you young children, teach them to sing songs of praise and then teach them when to sing songs of praise. And sing them loud in your car when you drive. Sing them when you put them to bed. Sing them in the chaos. Not because <laughs> there were literally times, my son, oldest son Clayton's in here, he can testify. He actually could sing okay, and Jackie can sing okay. Me, there were times when we sang as a family, it just made me laugh because it was so bad. Correct? Just so bad. Our, sometimes when we would sing, it would sound so bad. So bad. Like, where are we? In fact, what, what were we singing the other day? And, and my son goes, oh, just change key right in the middle of that line. I was like, I didn't know. I just... So, we live in a world where singing and being good at it are so tied together. And I want us just to encourage us to be, sing songs of praise, rejoicing always because of what we know. Next sound, verse 17. You there in first that's five? What's the next sound? Pray what? Yeah. Pray without ceasing. I'm telling you, this is scripture memory progression. First verse, two words, second verse, three words. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In other words, without Stopping. Now, if you think that's impossible, I can't walk around my life praying all the time, eyes closed, I'd run into stuff, run off the road. I got people to talk to. I can't talk to them, pray at the same time. Here's what really helps me. Very easy to remember because pray, pray, sounds of prayer, never ceasing. I praise, I repent, I ask, and I yield. If you miss it, P-R-A-Y. That's why I like, it's not just simply a cute acronym or cross It's an effective way to look at my, am I praying without ceasing? Well, prayers consist of prayers of praise, prayers of repentance, prayers of asking, prayers of yielding. And if I'm rejoicing and rejoicing always, then I am praying without ceasing. If I'm not rejoicing always, then I need to <laughs> I need to repent. The changing of my mind. Lord, this grumbling reflects that I have not believed what you've said is true, that I know. Changing, I, I repent of that thought. I repent. See, it's not just that I, I repent of my grumbling. I repent of the thoughts that were underneath that grumbling. 
Lord, I, I need by your spirit to bring to my mind, help me remember whose I am, who I am. And Lord, I'm yours. See, when I'm praising, I'm praying. When I'm not praising, I'm repenting. And when I'm repenting, therefore, I'm asking. And when I yield, it will always be then a disposition of praise. Going throughout my day, not just an, an hour or five minutes or a quick whisper prayer. None of those things are wrong. It's great to do a whisper prayer in the moment. It's great to have a list and to sit down and pray for specific things throughout the day. But the mentality here is the idea that I'm going to live in a constant attitude and disposition of praise, repentance, asking, dependence, and yielding. See, asking is simply dependence. Lord, I need you to do something for me that I cannot do for myself. I'm dependent upon you. I'm going to live in a, in a state of praise, repentance, dependence, yielding. Because if I'm, if I'm out of that, I'm not walking in the Spirit. So don't make it overcomplicated. Don't think you need to give more hours every morning to a prayer list. You need a prayer journal. Again, nothing wrong with those things, but that's, that's not what's happening here. It's a living with the heart of praise, repentance, asking, yielding. Praise, repentance, asking, yielding. And it's, it's an attitude that you're going to be in and out of the four of those throughout the day. If we're not repenting throughout our day, we've lost sight of who we really are. I mean, how many times throughout the day I say to myself, Lord, that's a, that's a foolish thought. I repent of that thought. That's an arrogant attitude. I repent of that. That's a fearful attitude. I repent of that. I change my mind. Repentances, so continual. Because as soon as I think, oh man, I'm doing, re I, I'm doing really good. Lord, I repent of that thought. <laughs> I repent of my unrighteousness and then I repent of my self-righteousness. A life of dependence. You're the vine, I'm the branch. Constant dependence. I yield to you. You're the potter. I am the clay. See what I'm saying? It's a, it's a life of living before the Lord in praise, repentance, asking, yielding. Praying the sound of prayer without ceasing. And then, in everything, give thanks. Semicolon. So we went from two words to three words to four words. In everything, give thanks. Thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That is, that is so straightforward. 
This, this is God's will for you. Because oh, almost all of us have d- different times in our life thought, man, I, what's, the, what's the will of the Lord? What, what's the Lord want me to do? Well, here's one thing I know he wants me. He wants me to give thanks in and for everything, always. The sounds of maturity, I move from grumbling and disputing to rejoicing and prayers of praise, repentance, asking, yielding, and sounds of thanksgiving in and for everything. As you write that down, and some of you, maybe you're not writing it down, some of you are definitely saying inside your head, with still the, the look on your face so as not to give yourself away, but you are saying, no way, absurd, not doing that. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That you would give thanks in everything, for everything. And if you're concerned, no, it doesn't say, it says in everything, it doesn't say for everything. Ephesians 5.30 says for everything. In and for everything. How can it be God's will that evil, wrong, done to you, that you would give thanks in it or for it? That's what I'm going just straight to the heart of no. I, I just can't do that. Here's a way I've resolved this in my heart. You could disagree, but I believe the greatest evil ever perpetrated in human history is that the only person to ever live a perfect life died a criminal's death. There's been lots of evil and lots of wrong done. In a fallen world, we are fallen people who live in a fallen world. The one person, Jesus of Nazareth, who never, ever did wrong, lived a perfect, sinless life, died a criminal's death. And I'm thankful for that. And so I found myself in this quandary of how could I give thanks for the greatest evil on earth and yet think it absurd that I would give thanks for that which has been hard, evil, or wrong done to me. You can wrestle with this, simply processing with you how I have walked through giving thanks in everything and for everything. For me, it begins with the cross. I'm thankful for the greatest evil ever perpetrated in human history, a perfect person dying a criminal's death because God worked the cross for what? For good. And I see evil, 
I'm not diminishing it, minimizing it, or celebrating it. But God is not handcuffed by evil, my friends. God is not a a one-armed God trying to accomplish what he's trying to accomplish while evil has the other arm tied behind his back. Satan is against God. He is my enemy. But God can do whatever he wants with him, and he will when he chooses. So I'm not minimizing evil or the atrocities that have happened and are happening in humanity. I'm simply saying God works all things together for good to those who love him, called according to his purpose. If it was true for the cross, then it'll be true for everything that has happened and will happen in my life. The language of my faith is thanksgiving. The language of my faith is thanksgiving. Now, we say that a lot around here, but I want, to be, I want to give honor where it's that we say that a lot around here because a man said it to me when I was 15 years old. And it was one of the transformational, core transformational truths that have guided and protected and guarded my faith in the midst of heart. The language of my faith is thankfulness in all things. And it begins where? It begins with the cross. So I'm going to invite us to give our attention to the cross as the men pass the elements. But we're simply not doing a religious exercise. You don't, don't like, oh, we hit it and we're doing something. It's not new paragraph. <laughs> Continuation, friends. Because of the cross, reminded to us by these elements of this unleavened cracker, the reminder of the perfect Jesus whose body was broken, And this cup whose blood was shed. He died a criminal's death. And by it, we're saved. By it, our penalty has been paid. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Just pause. Whoever has a plate, hold it for a second. Here's what I'm inviting you to do. As you remember this, the death of Jesus, and give thanks for it, would you take then by faith the next step and say thank you in everything and for everything in your life? As a declaration of faith, thank you. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my cancer. 
Thank you for the brokenness of my past. Whatever it is that you would say, thank you as an expression of your faith. So go ahead, continue to pass. And I want to give you, please don't be silent. It may be a, a repentance of grumbling. But don't be silent after the repentance. Then declare your thankfulness to the Lord because of whose you are and who you are. Almighty before me behind me there's no point in your past where God was absent where he had taken his hands off the wheel there's no point in the future where his presence will not be breath of Almighty before me, behind me. A 
if you've left anything on the shelf and said, I'm not going to give thanks for that. I'll give you just a quiet moment. It's an act of faith. Lord, I trust you. I believe in you. I depend upon you. I yield to you. And I praise you. Lord Jesus, as we hold these elements now, thank you for your obedience even to the point of death. Who for the joy set before you despised the shame and endured the pain, the cross, the suffering, the separation. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all the things in my life that I would have wished away, but that you have used for the growing me into Christ-like. believing that you have paid my penalty through your death. That you are working for your glory and our good. We take now in remembrance of you. I invite you to stand once you've taken this together.
we thankful for uh, as we go uh, in, the, in the coming days, uh, maybe even the coming hours today, would we go in the power of the Spirit? Would we go with uh, praying always as the Lord moves, would we pray? Um, we're grateful for Doug for opening the scriptures for us. If we can pray for you now here on campus, we have men and women between the auditoriums who are there to pray for you individually. Uh, so if you've got something hard in your life that you're struggling to say thank you for, won't you bring it with someone? Help them. Uh, they'd love to help you do that. So have a great day, blessed day. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being here.